Welcome to today's message by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church. Liberty Baptist Church is located in Rock Falls at 2002 9th Avenue, just across from the Dillon Rachel's. Pastor Tommy would like to invite you to be a part of their Sunday services. The Sunday school hour is at 10 a.m., followed by their morning worship at 11 a.m., or their evening service at 6 p.m. They would also love to have you be a part of their midweek services on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We hope you will get a blessing this morning as Pastor Tommy brings you a message from the Word of God. All right, good to be back. Thank you so much for listening, boy. We are flattered that you would uh, listen to this program and be a part of it. Thank you so much. Hope we can be a blessing to to you today. I'm Pastor Tommy McMurtry of the Liberty Baptist Church, and I'm just here today. I want to try to be a help and a blessing to you, and I'm going to start things off with a little bit of humor today. A friend was in front of me coming out of church one day. And the preacher was standing at the door, as he always did, to shake hands. He grabbed my friend by the hand and pulled him aside. The pastor said to him, You need to join the army of the Lord. My friend replied, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. The pastor questioned, How come I don't see you except at Christmas and Easter? He whispered back, I'm in the secret service. Well, I I think I've met a few of those secret service Christians before. I tell you, some people, uh, boy, if you ever got tried for being a Christian, you'd get found not guilty so easy it wouldn't even be funny. But anyway, I I thought that was good. Let's try this one. An elderly woman walked into the local country church. The friendly usher greeted her at the door and helped her up a flight of steps. Where would you like to sit? He asked politely. The front row, please, she answered. You really don't want to do that, the usher said. Our pastor is really boring. The lady said, do you happen to know who I am? No, he said. I'm the pastor's mother, she replied indignantly. And then the usher said, do you know who I am? She said, no. Good, he answered. Well, that one might take you a minute, but I thought it was funny. I just I do what I think's funny and just hope somebody else out there thinks it's funny too. So I want to do a shout out right now. Today is uh they are celebrating twenty seven years at Lighthouse Baptist Church in LaSalle, Illinois. If you are in the LaSalle area and you're listening to this program or within driving distance, you ought to stop by there this week. They are having a revival meeting from Sunday through Wednesday, Sunday night at six and then Monday through Wednesday at 7, and Pastor Ken Graham of the Victory Baptist Church in Benton, Arkansas, is going to be there, and that church just happens to be my home church where I grew up, the church that I was sent out of, and they are celebrating 27 years. It is hard to believe it has been that long, but if you could make it out there to Lighthouse Baptist Church, it's just right there on 251 as you're heading into Peru. Um, and boy, I tell you, you'll get a blessing from that and an extra bonus. If you go there on a Monday or Tuesday night, there is a very good chance that I will be there and why that makes it exciting. I have no idea, but just in case somebody would get excited about that, I do plan on going there on, on Monday or Tuesday. And so I hope to see you there. And anyway, now the place is going to be packed out, but, uh, well, anyway, uh, I guess I'll call that my third joke. 
of the day. But this morning, I want to go uh, to the book of Isaiah. We're going to start reading. And I want to read two verses for you there. And I want to speak on a subject I think is very important. I'm going to read a few verses to you, and then I will explain what I'm going to be talking about today. But Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9 says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. What an amazing passage of scripture we have here. Here the people are telling the seers and the prophets not to do their jobs. They're telling them, you know, deceive us. And I don't I know those probably aren't the exact words they were using, but God here is saying that that's basically what they are saying. That is exactly what they are doing. And I believe this very thing is going on in churches today where people are literally demanding that the pastors deceive them and just tell us what we want to hear. Don't tell us the truth. And I believe this is sad. And pastors, if you know, there's other pastors listening to this, boy, don't give in to that. Don't fall for it. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Right now, reproving and rebuking is out of season for the people, but it's not out of season for God. You need to keep doing it. And the Bible says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Storytelling in church is a real big thing in a lot of churches today. The preacher gets up there, he doesn't even crack open his Bible, and just starts telling stories. It's ridiculous. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And I'm here today to tell you that people today, they do not want to hear the truth. They don't want anything to shine a light on the sin that's in their life. These people, they want to have it all. They want to live like the lost world, but they want to go to church and be made to feel like they're going to heaven when they're not. They put pressure on the preachers to make sure they don't preach anything that will make them feel uncomfortable. And most preachers today, they've gone right along with this and are giving the people exactly what they want instead of what they need. And as a result, this has left preachers with very little to preach about. And God's love seems to be the main thing that everyone is comfortable with. But the truth is, you cannot understand the love of God without understanding what God hates. And I'm here today to tell you that God's love is a popular subject. And God, the preaching on the love of God is a great thing. God is love. Well, I could, I could sit here and read verses for the rest of this program about the love of God. But here's the thing. People want you to talk about the love of God, but you're not allowed to talk about sin. You're not allowed to speak against anything that people in your congregation might be doing and enjoying doing. And the truth is, you cannot understand the love of God without understanding what God hates. And I want to show you some things here and from the Bible that we've got to understand that if we're going to understand the love of God, if we really are going to be able to preach the truth about the love of God, we can't leave out what God hates. 
Because right there, when we see what God hates, it reveals just how much He does love us. And so let's go and look at Proverbs 6.16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imagination, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God hates those things. He hates them. Malachi 2.16 For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. That was a term they would use for divorce. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts, therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. God hates it. Okay? Uh, Isaiah 1.14, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. Psalm 11.5, the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Notice it says him that loveth violence. You see, there's a real popular saying out there, and that's, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. And I'm not going to tell you that that's not a true statement, but understand a lot of times you have to learn to see through or what people are really saying and what they're really wanting you to say when they say, hate the sin, love the sinner. The truth is they're basically telling you, don't get mad at them for their sin. Don't have a problem with their sin. Listen, it is impossible for there to be sin without a sinner and we see that god hates sin him that loveth violence his soul hateth deuteronomy twelve thirty: take heed to thyself that thou be not stared by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee and that thou inquire not after their gods saying how do these nations serve their gods even so will i do likewise thou shalt not do so unto the lord thy god for every abomination to the lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods, for even their sons and their daughters, they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What things soever I commanded you, observe to do it, that thou not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Okay, and so, I mean, right there, another great passage, Revelation 2, 6, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. God commended them for hating what the Nicolaitans were doing. Uh, verse 15, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Twice he mentioned that he hated it. And while it is true that God hates sin and loves the sinner, we need to remember that there is something that God hates about us. And that is that we are sinners. Proverbs 5, five or Psalm 5.5 5, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so I want you to think for a second. I know it's morning. I know thinking is not something we're real big on today. But I need you to think right now. And I want to use an illustration here. But I wonder how many people listening today hate murder. Okay, I mean, I imagine most people out there today, you would admit that you hate murder but how many of you hate murderers okay 
oh, no, I don't hate the murderers. I just hate the murder. Well, here's the thing. If there weren't murderers, there wouldn't be murder. Saying you hate the sin and don't hate the sinners, it it doesn't make any sense since sin requires a sinner. I hate sin, but there has to be people for there to be sin. There has to be a sinner. And so, say, well, you know, I don't think sin's a big deal. Well, if sin's not a big deal, then why did Jesus have to die a horrible death on a cross? Okay, now hang on. I don't want you to go around. I don't want you to turn this off and say that pastor is telling us to hate everybody. You really need to listen to this whole thing before you go put any words in my mouth. All right? But sin is a big deal. So if God doesn't have a big problem with our sin, like many people think, then why did he turn his back on Jesus when he was on the cross? Matthew 27:45. now from that sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land under the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back on his own son when he was on the cross. Why? Because he who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus Christ became the sinner on the cross. He took our sin upon him and God couldn't even look at it. Why? Because that's how much God hates sin. That's how much God loathes sin. And you say, well, you know, you know, see, I don't hate the sinner. I just hate the sin. Well, you then are a lot like these people that hate guns, but don't seem to have a problem with the people that are the murderers. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that are wanting to ban guns. Guns are evil. Guns are bad. When the truth is, a gun can't do anything by itself. It has to have somebody take it. It has to have somebody pointed at somebody and somebody shoot. Okay? It, it's, it's a thing. Okay? And that would be like saying, you know, I hate knives because some people stab people with knives. Okay? The problem is not with the thing. The problem is with the person with the sinner, with the murderer. And many people, they want to get all spiritual and talk about how, oh, I don't, I don't hate anybody. You know, I don't hate sinners. I, I just hate the sin. And I'm not going to tell you you're totally wrong in what you're saying, but I, I do want you to see something. I'm trying to illustrate something to you. There cannot be sin without a sinner. There cannot be murder without a murderer. You know, we all hate stealing, but there cannot be stealing without there being a thief. So, how can God hate sin and yet love us who are nothing but sinners at the same time? We are what produces what God hates. We are what produces that. Us, people, sinners. And see, love though, it's more than just an emotional feeling. And that's what all some people think love is today. That's why I have these teenagers. Oh, I'm in love. You know, No, you're not. You're just emotional right now. You're head over heels for somebody. And the truth is, love is an action. And in John 3.16, verse we all know, it says, God so loved the world. It's not talking about a feeling, but it's talking about an action. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It wasn't talking about a feeling. It was talking about an action. God hated the sin of this world. God hated the sins that we did. Yet God did an act of love by sending his son Jesus 
to die for us. So notice when it talks about his love, notice the action that's in there. God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. There are many people that say, I love you, but there's no actions to go along with it. In fact, many times there are actions that say something completely different. It would be like me if I came up to you and I said, I love you, and then I punch you in the face. You're going to question that love. Maybe I was feeling love, but the truth is I didn't love you when I punched you in the face. That's an act of hate. And God, while he hated our sin and he hated what we were, he loved us by sending his son. 1 John 4.10, here in his love. Okay, This is love, folks. Not that we loved God. We didn't do anything for him but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Right there was the love, not an emotional feeling, an action, God sending his son. Proverbs thirteen twenty four, the Bible says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes, which means early. So now there's many people out there today that don't spank their kids but yet they don't have a feeling of hatred to their towards their kids. If you told them that they hate their children, no, they're going to they're going to argue with you. No, I love my children. However, according to the Bible, when you do not discipline your child, you're doing something that is terrible to that child. It is a terrible thing to not discipline your child. It is bad for them. You might as well hate them. What you're doing to them is terrible and you know it's sad how many people today are down on spanking but they're a hundred percent for drugging up their kids and according to the bible the bible says they hate their son and you might have the most loving feelings in the world towards your children but if you are not disciplining them you might as well hate them you are doing an act of hatred by not giving them something that they need just like you can say you love your children but if you don't feed them well we're going to question that because that's very harmful to not feed your children. And it's also very harmful to not discipline your children. Well, no, I, I love them too much to discipline them. Okay, fine. We'll let the police discipline them when they get older. See how you like that. We'll let a judge you know, discipline them. Let a judge send them to prison. We're prison guards. We'll discipline them. We're all going to get disciplined sooner or later. It's better to do it sooner, early, chasing him B times, early in their life. Thankfully, I was chastened at a young age, and now I'm older, I've, I don't have to be chastened by police officers and by judges because I got it taken care of early. Some people, they don't get it taken care of till later, and the later it goes, the less likely it is you're ever going to have success. So just, uh, we're not talking about discipline today, but just uh, some valuable truths for you there, folks. I hope you'll take that. Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Okay, go ahead. Just let your children do whatever they want. Let them follow their hearts like Hollywood tries to tell you. They're going to bring you to shame. They're going to embarrass you. But Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us. Okay, talking about the love. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Once again, we see the action. The love is the action. It's not this feeling. Okay, it's an action. And even though what we are as sinners is disgusting to God, his actions are actions of love, giving us what we don't deserve. 
1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Love was literally manifested. It was shown. It was proven when God sent his Son to die for a people who did not deserve it, who did not deserve it one bit, who were abominable and disgusting, who only did the things that God hates and is disgusted by, but yet God, while his feelings were that of an, it was, we were an abomination, in other words, we made God sick, he loved us, okay? So, you know, and there's, there's many times in the Bible where hate is used as an action, also not an emotion, just like all these ones with love. Hate sometimes has the meaning maybe just of preferring one person over another. We have verses in the Bible like, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And if you go on and you read that whole passage, it just shows how God blessed Jacob. God, I mean, God had his hand on Jacob, gave Jacob good things. But Esau, while God blessed him, it wasn't as good as he blessed Jacob. And, other, and so when it says he hated him, it was just saying that God preferred Jacob above Esau. And also Luke 14, 26, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So right there we see God's he's talking about hating our families. Now does God want us to hate our families in the sense that we have this negative feeling where we just want them to go away and die? No, that's not what it's talking about. He's basically saying... Do not prefer your family or even your own life above God. He comes first. We should love him first and foremost. And that is loving God and hating your family. It just means you're preferring God over everyone else. It's not talking about this feeling of hatred. I, and so I believe you can be a loving husband, father, everything across the board. But... In a biblical sense, hate your family. That just means you're preferring God and doing what God wants you to do. And guess what are one of the things that God's commanded us to do? Love our wives, love our children. If you do prefer God first, love God first and foremost, you will love and take care of your family. So don't try to misuse that passage. And there's many other examples that I could give you on this subject. Uh, but uh, preaching about God's love without preaching about what God hates is not working. Churches seem to have very little impact on people today as a result of them telling them that everything in their life is okay. But listen, we're not okay. We will not appreciate the love that God has given until we realize just how bad we are. We are sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Many churches today, they don't want to talk about hell. Some deny that there even is a hell. But folks, there is a hell. It was created for the devil and his angels. But mankind fell. Man followed after the devil. And that is where we deserve to be. And that's what we, where we are heading. But God, even though he hated what we were doing, 
even though he hates what we're doing now, he hates the sinful part of us, he still loved us in the action sense. He sent his son to die on the cross for us. Jesus Christ loved us when he died on the cross for us. He hated our sin. He still hates our sin. But we've And we've got to get back to preaching on sin. That's how people see their need for a Savior. If we're telling everybody they're okay and wonderful, then why in the world do they even need to get saved? It makes no sense at all. We have got to preach very hard against sin. We've got to speak the truth on this subject. Otherwise, people are not going to see a need for a Savior. But another illustration I like to use to kind of explain it. We're just kind of like a dirty stray cat that someone finds outside their house on a rainy day. The cat, it's wet, it's dirty, it's hungry, and it's wild maybe. But someone, they'll maybe they'll take that cat in. They have compassion on it. They take it, they feed it, they clean it up. And they maybe even let it live with them. But the truth is, you wouldn't bring an animal like that into your house without making some changes first. And the truth is, that's what God does with us when we call on Him for salvation. He cleans us up with His blood. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sins. Why does He need to clean us up? Because we are too dirty to be in the presence of a holy God. God is holy, and He's not going to change that holiness. He's not going to do that. He's going to just clean us up. And He does that with the blood of of Christ, and then God even allows us to become one of His children. And that, folks, right there, that is real love. God dying on the, or Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, for our, the Bible says, all our righteousness. It's as a filthy rag in God's sight. Listen, don't be afraid to speak out against sin. I'm not telling you to go around acting all high and mighty like you've never sinned, but we've got to speak the truth. Otherwise, people will not see their need for a Savior. Pastors out there, you've got to get back to preaching against sin. You need to start showing people the commands that are in the Bible. The Bible says, Whosoever shall break one of these least commandments and teach others to do so, the same will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever will keep these these commandments and teach others to do so. That one will be the greatest. Let's get back to keeping the commandments of God. Why? To show our love for Him. We love Him because He first loved us. And right there is what God's love really is. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this was a help. Thank you for listening to the message this morning by Pastor Tommy McMurtry of Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. We hope you were blessed and invite you to tune in next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. as Pastor Tommy brings you more truths from God's Holy Word. For more information about Liberty Baptist Church, visit their website at experience-liberty.com or you can email them at libertybc2011 at atp.net. Thank you.